you got to get passionate about this thing. If the cross doesn't move you, nothing will move you. I'm offering you something that's greater than silver and gold. I'm offering you something that's greater than an increase in your pay on your job. I'm offering you a... There's no shortcuts to the glory. Week to week living. We've got to multiply our prayer life. We've got to multiply our efforts. And we are willing to give. God will always give it back to us in good measure that is pressed down, shaken together, and running over. Hey, thanks for checking out our Christian Life Church podcast. You will be hearing from one of our pastors or guest speakers, either at our Frankfurt or Lebanon campus. Prepare your hearts and your minds to receive a word from God. Thanks for listening. Enjoy and receive this message. I know maybe it's been a long week, but is he still worthy tonight? I'm at one of my favorite places in the world, of course, filling in the, in the absence of my father. And he wishes he could be here tonight, but I believe that the Lord's given me a message for tonight. And I thank each of you for being faithful to the house of the Lord. How many of you know that midweek is important? That we dive into the Word of God and that we live this not just on Sunday, but that we live it every single day of our lives. And so truly I say thank you for being here tonight. If you're not standing already, would you stand with me and could we pray that God would have His way in this place? Lord, I thank you that you've brought each person into the house of the Lord tonight. God, I thank you that your presence, your spirit has met us here. I pray to each person that they would receive exactly what they need from you. And Lord, that your name would be lifted high in Jesus' name. Amen. You may be seated. For those of you that were in Lebanon on Sunday, you better just go ahead and amen me because you may have already heard this message, all three or four of you. But for the rest of you, I felt to share a word tonight that I shared at our Lebanon campus. And we don't always get to do that. And it's important that we stay one church. And so every once in a while, if you're a staff member or volunteer and you hear a double message, we'll just assume that the Lord's saying you needed to hear that twice. But of course, I, I felt the Lord gave me a word tonight, and I want to share something with you. I was studying a few weeks ago, and of course in study, you come across so many interesting things. And for those of you that don't know me, I, uh, I'm sort of a science fanatic. For the rest of you that grew up to me, I apologize for the times that I ruined your clothes with my inventions, or tore up your classrooms, or ripped apart your old radios. Um, and maybe, maybe you're familiar with that side of me. But I've always had an interest in history and in science. And in study, I came across something that was rather intriguing to a curious individual like myself. I came across something called the butterfly effect. It's otherwise known as chaos theory. And in essence, what it is, is there was a scientist who came across a rather interesting discovery. He was testing various weather patterns and seeing how the results would pan out. And he made a couple of extremely small, minute changes to the patterns. And all of a sudden, he's looking at the graphs, and the weather system that formed on paper 
wasn't, what didn't even appear to be a thing like the original system that he'd observed. And here's what was so interesting about what he discovered. He discovered that something as minute as the flap of a butterfly's wing could cause enough disturbance in the atmosphere and enough chain reactions that a hurricane could develop on the other side of the world. And it really blew my mind because the theory carried over to more than science. It carried over into just everyday life. They talked about how that World War I was started by one bullet, as most wars are, and how if that gun would have jammed, the entire world as we know it would have been so affected by one small, minute change of things. And I found that intriguing. Maybe you're looking at me tonight like, what's this nerd doing on the platform, and what does that have to do with my life? I promise that I'll get there before the night's over. So he theorized that small things can cause big changes. That what seems like something as small as a butterfly could trigger a hurricane or, to, or, or tornado somewhere else. And I believe that in the same way that science has observed that small things can cause big reactions, that we see the very same thing throughout all of Scripture. And I find that interesting, that science is not something that we have to hide from. I'll speak to some of our students. We don't have to act like we got to hide from it. But it's something that proves God, and it proves the things that the Scripture is saying. And so over and over, we see this pattern in the Bible of greatness coming from smallness. God enables a small boy like David, who was not fit to fight in the military. He was nothing but a little shepherd boy on the backside of a desert. And he enables a small boy to conquer Goliath the giant. And we watch as this theme of smallness conquering Greatness is seen over and over and over. But I'd ask you an interesting question tonight. That while we look at the stories, stories like David and Goliath, and we observe smallness turning into greatness, have you stopped and considered the stones that were waiting for hundreds of years in the water brook to be a part of David's destiny? When we read stories like the story of the Last Supper, we hear of the things that Jesus said to these great men, these disciples. But have you considered the couple little women that were making the bread in the back room and weren't recorded in the story, but things of smallness that caused enough reactions to produce things of greatness? We tell the story of the lame man being healed, lowered down from the roof. And we picture this scene where Jesus, the creator of the universe in flesh, heals this man of his lameness. Some of us need healed from being lame. I'm only kidding tonight. But have we considered the men that are 
perhaps unseen and rarely mentioned, that had to cut the hole in the roof and use all of their strength to lower the man to where Jesus was. I'd be crazy to think tonight that we just show up in the church functions all by itself. I know that the bigger the church gets and the more streamlined that we're able to make things, that sometimes it seems like we could just walk in, turn on the lights, and Sister Cheryl would sing some good songs, and they just have an incredible worship service with not one bad note. I know that through time it seems like that an event is an idea one night and the next night we're putting it together and nothing really had to happen and it just seamlessly came together. But I wonder if we've stopped and considered the small things happening in the background that are able to further the kingdom of God and create greatness. I wonder if when you look at the lives of our children who oftentimes sit on the first couple of pews with tears streaming down their face and their hands raised and God's doing amazing things in their life, if you've stopped to consider the smallness of a Sunday school teacher teaching them age-old words that have been said from generation to generation, I wonder if while you've looked at the greatness of what the Lord is doing at the Rock in Lafayette and what he's doing here in Frankfurt and in Lebanon, if you've stopped to consider the smallness of a team member picking up a broom and saying, how can I be a part of the kingdom of God? When we look at a story like David, we see greatness come from smallness. But rarely do we consider the stones, the unmentioned part of the story. And when I look at the church and when I look at where God has brought us from, I can't help but tonight to consider the stones, to consider the men and women that for the last 50 years of their life that have labored to see this become a reality to consider the stones of when many, many days I've watched Brother Tom Clark and many others come in the back door with a broom and start mopping or start sweeping. When I look at the greatness of what God is doing in this region, sometimes I just want to stop and thank the Lord for the stones. Thank Him for the unmentioned people, for the people that are laboring and serving and working and willing to be just a small part of the greatness of the story. You know, the scripture says in Romans 8 that all things work together. You've heard it. You could about quote it with me. All things work together for good to those that love God, to them that are called according to his purpose. I was thinking about that passage of scripture and oftentimes I use it to apply to my own life when things don't seem like they're going right. I remind myself that all things work together for our good when we love God according to his purpose. But I was thinking about how that applies in the very same way to the church. That the church is a body that is fitly framed together as the scripture talks about. And so all things are working together for the good of those that love God. Not according to our agenda, but according 
to his purpose. And so I've come to understand that when we are in a church that is unified around his purpose, that all things are working together for, the, for, for our good. Many of you have heard the story before of the time that the president was walking down the halls of NASA. So many of you could about quote the story tonight. He was walking down the halls of NASA just directly before they were going to attempt to put a man on the moon. And he turned down a wrong hallway where a janitor was standing and he was mopping and not really paying attention to the fact that the president was standing directly in front of him. The president walked up to the man and he looked at him and he said, what is it that you're doing? And the man looked at him. He said, I'm helping to put a man on the moon. Can I speak to the many, many volunteers, to the Sunday school teachers, to the musicians, to the singers, to those that show up and clean the building, to those that turn the lights on, to those that have never perhaps even stood on this platform, that what you're doing is not a small matter, but what you're doing is a small part that is for his purpose. And when smallness comes together in unity, we see greatness come out of smallness. So maybe you, you, you don't feel like that you're the best singer in the world. I kind of feel like that sometimes. Sister Cheryl schedules me and I try to kind of pull the mic back just a little bit. Maybe you don't feel like that you have the talent that other people may have in various areas. And maybe at times you've considered, well, how can I be a part of the kingdom of God? Where, where can I find my place in the church? Can I remind you that even the stones had a part of David defeating Goliath? And so if all you know how to do is show up and support... And all you know how to do is clap your hands when the preacher says clap your hands. And if all you know how to do is do a little bit of decor or paint a little smudge on a wall or clean a restroom or unlock a classroom, every single person has a part in the kingdom of God. And truly the church is not a place we attend. Hate to burst your bubble. But the church is who we are. And unless you are actively serving in the church, then have you really attended? Because the truth is, it's not about showing up and checking off your name. You made it to church on Sunday. But this thing is a lifestyle. And it's not just the, the place we attend. And it's not just the way we live. But it is completely who we are. And so to every single person, we got a lot of new people in the room. I'm thankful for all of our new families, for all of those that are new around here. We love you. We're thankful you're here. But here's what I want to tell you is I don't care if you've been coming here five days or 50 years. Every single person has a part in the greatness of his story. Every single person has a place in the kingdom of God. Some of you know of a very well-known preacher in California. His name is Brother Miles Young, a great man of God. I heard a story that he told that he had come across in reading parts of history. He told the story of a man named Sousa Mendez. You've never heard his name. 
you probably never read it in a history book. I'm sure in middle school or high school you took a class and learned a little bit about World War I, but you never heard Seuss's name. Here's, here's what, you, what, 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 what is interesting. Susa never fought in any war. He never picked up a gun. He never went to boot camp. He was never trained in the military. He never wore any official camo. He, 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 he wasn't part of the war. But Susa Mendez was responsible for saving the most lives by a single individual during World War I. Susa led a team for 10 days around the clock, issuing visa after visa to Jewish people that were attempting to flee the war. And he was armed with nothing more than a rubber stamp and a little bit of ink. But in 10 days and many, many sleepless nights, he continued to issue visa after visa after visa, allowing these individuals to flee the war that was imminent. In fact, they say that he was responsible in a 10-day period for saving over 30,000 lives, armed with nothing more than a rubber stamp. I wonder how many Sunday school teachers, armed with nothing more than construction paper and a pair of scissors, I wonder how many chefs armed with nothing more than a couple pots and pans. I wonder how many cleaning team members armed with nothing more than a mop and a broom and a pan are responsible for playing a part in saving thousands and thousands of lives in contributing to the fact that they are going to meet us in heaven I wonder how many people that feel like your name may have never been written but by the stroke of a paintbrush or by the mop that, that you've held in your hands it is you that have been responsible for winning thousands and thousands of lives to the kingdom of God I was talking with somebody just a couple of months ago. They were rather discouraged. They told me I've never taught a Bible study on my own. I said, that, that's fine, but, but you need to learn how to. They said, I want to, but I, I feel convicted that I've never taught a Bible study. And, and, and furthermore, they said, I, I wouldn't really know where to begin. And they said, if I'm being honest, I don't feel like that I've ever done anything to reach anybody and I kind of looked at them funny that day this individual was very involved in the church that they attended they really did a lot for the kingdom of God they lived it like it was a full-time job they were always doing other things they never taught a Bible study but they were the first ones at the building they were the individuals leading ministries and encouraging people and praying people through in the altar call. And I looked at them that day and I said, you may have never taught a Bible study. But if you only knew how many people that you've played a part in winning to the Lord. I want to remind somebody today that you've may, you may have never preached from a pulpit. You may have never been a praise team singer on a Sunday. And you may have never felt like that your name or your picture was put on the screen. 
but every single person in this place that has even played a small part of the kingdom of God. If you only knew how many thousands of people that you are affecting and how many children are going to grow up from a Sunday school classroom and be the next great evangelist and be the next great preacher. If you only knew what you're doing for the kingdom of God, it would absolutely it, it, it would blow your mind. In Exodus, the Lord spoke to Moses as he stands before a couple of magicians. And he's unsure of what to do in the circumstance. And the Lord speaks to him. He asks him a question. What is in your hand? I kind of found it as an interesting thing for the Lord to ask. He's all-knowing. He's omnipresent. He's the creator of all things, the creator of all reality. And so for him to ask the question, what's in Moses' hand? It's kind of rather an odd statement. But he didn't ask it because he didn't know what was in Moses' hand. Rather, he drew attention to Moses, what was in his own hands. And Moses replied, he said, a staff, just, just a rod. And those of you that know the story, the Lord uses the rod. Moses casts it down. It turns into a snake and it eats their snakes. It's a type and shadow of Jesus, a powerful story that we don't even have time to get into tonight. But I've come to understand that the Lord is asking many of us the very same question. When we consider how it is how that it is that we're going to be a part of the kingdom of God. How is it that I am going to help reach somebody? How is it that I am going to see my loved ones come back to the Lord? He's calling us to ask ourselves the question, what is in your hand? For Moses, it was a staff. And for Samson, it was the jawbone of a donkey. And for David, it was a sling and a stone. And for the widow who fed Elijah, she said, I have nothing but a hand full of meal in a barrel. And it's no coincidence that it was the servant that told Elijah, I see a cloud the size of a man's hand. The scripture over and over and over draws the attention to the hands of man. And truly what the Lord is doing and what he is saying by doing that is he's drawing attention to that which we already have access to. And so if you're looking around wondering how that you're going to contribute to the kingdom of God, and if you're wondering how that it is that God is going to use me? I wonder if you've taken the time to consider what God has placed in your hands. I wonder if you've taken the time to consider what abilities and talents that God has given you to further the kingdom of God. I wonder if for a moment you've considered that maybe your job isn't just a job, but maybe it's an opportunity to reach a coworker. 
I wonder if you've considered for a moment that God didn't place you at your college campus or your high school merely to be miserable, but that there may be somebody that needs Jesus that is sitting in the row next to you. I wonder if you've taken the opportunity to consider what God has placed in your hands, where God has placed people in your lives. I call you to ask yourself the question tonight. What is in your hands? For some people, it may be starting a P7, a Bible study in their high school. Or for others, it may mean simply shining a light and showing a coworker who Jesus is. And for others, it may be implementing talents that God has given you in the kingdom of God. But I want to tell every single person in this place that you have a place at Christian Life Church. That God wants to use you to further his kingdom. You don't have to go to Bible school. You don't have to have a degree in theology. And you don't have to sing on key. God can use you for his kingdom. God can use you to impact lives and to reach people that he has placed around you. In summary tonight, Acts chapter 1 verse 8 tells us, but ye shall receive power after the Holy Ghost has come upon you. But it doesn't continue to say to be the person on the platform. It doesn't continue to say to be self-proclaimed prophets. It doesn't say to be the most talented person in the church. But here's what it says. To be witnesses for me. And he goes on to say in Jerusalem, in Judea, and in Samaria, and unto the uttermost parts of the earth. He wasn't just speaking to a couple of people. But he was saying that once you receive the Holy Ghost, that you have received power to be witnesses. And so for every single person in this place that has been filled with the gift of the Holy Ghost, that has received the Spirit of God into your life, I want to tell you something. You're not powerless, but God has given you power to be witnesses in your city, in your region, and unto the uttermost parts of the earth. You have a place in the kingdom of God. God has uniquely made you who you are to fulfill a missing piece in his kingdom. You don't have to try to mimic somebody else. You don't, you, you don't have to try to copycat someone else that is being used by God. But I want you to understand that you are uniquely made to be who you are. Because God wants to use you in his kingdom. And so I encourage every single person in this place that if you're not yet involved in a ministry, get involved in a ministry. If you're not yet leading a small group, start a small group. If you're not involved in one, plug into one. If you're not teaching a Bible study, teach a Bible study. If you've never witnessed to a coworker, tell them about Jesus. We don't got to walk around. I, I, I'm going to stop for a second and say, I don't believe it's the will of God 
For us to walk around hiding our Christianity like little chameleon Christians in the corner of the world. Pulling our jackets up over our faces, pretending like the Holy Ghost didn't move on Sunday. Acting like we go to a church just like every other one down the road. I don't believe that's the will of God. I don't believe it's the will of God that we feel like that we have to hide our beliefs from the world. That we have to hide power and demonstration of the Spirit of God from the world. But I want to tell you that what the world is looking for is not what another church has to offer down the road. But what the world is looking for is power and demonstration of the Spirit of God. And here's how it's going to happen. It's going to happen when Holy Ghost filled people get the boldness to say, I'm not going to hide who I am on my job. I'm not going to disguise myself at my school. I'm not going to pretend to be like everybody else, but I have a part of the kingdom of God. It's not the place I attend, but it is who I am. And God wants to use me to be a part of his kingdom. As the music and singers prepare to come, I want you to stand all across this room. I know on a Wednesday night, we like to rush in and rush out. But I feel like that the Holy Ghost is moving on somebody and telling you, you have a place here. You can play a part in the kingdom of God. Every hand lifted across the room and every eye closed. I wonder if you'd begin to consider what God has placed in your hands Lord, in the name of Jesus, I pray that you'd move on every single heart and life tonight and cause every single individual to consider those that you've placed in their lives for them to witness to. That they would consider what talents and abilities and resources that you have placed in their hands to contribute to the kingdom of God. I pray that faith and boldness would rise in every heart and in every life and that every single person in this room would begin to feel mutual ownership for this church in the name of Jesus. If you feel like the Lord's speaking to you tonight, I wonder if each of you would come to the front of this room and if you'd begin to call on the name of the Lord and ask Him, God, how can I be used? How can I play a part of the kingdom of God? Would you lift your hands tonight and begin to call on the Lord all over this place? Take my hands, Lord, take my feet. Touch my heart, Lord, speak through me. If you can use anything, Lord, you can use me. Here's what I'd like to do. I'd like you to join together with your families in the front of this room. And that's for every person across this place. Because truly being involved in the kingdom of God is not just an individual that you make yourself. But it is a family deciding, as for me in my house, we're going to serve the Lord. And so whether you're seated in your pew or whether you're already gathered in the front, I wonder if you'd come to the front of this room and gather together with your family. And if you'd begin to pray with your family and consider how that God wants to use you in his kingdom. If your family's not here tonight, if you've come by yourself, join with others over here on my left side, and they're going to pray with you for the rest of you. I want you to join with your families 
and pray with them and consider how God is going to use your family in his kingdom. Would you lift up the name of the Lord tonight? Join with them and begin to make some commitments to God. Lord, I pray for every family in this place, for every mother, every father, that they would lead their families in being a part of your kingdom. In the name of Jesus, come on, lift up his name all over this place. Touch my heart, Lord, speak through me. 